0: Welcome to the S'moreCast. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, and this is going to be a monthly episodic series um, basically set on more personal topics that don't deal with sports directly. Um, I hope eventually one day to kind of morph this into a vlog um, or more of a uh, personal type following um, than just sports. Obviously, with the Gram Slam podcast and everything, wanted to give a little more in-depth into my life and maybe into others' lives as well um, with some star guests, uh, things like that, that will essentially happen on this podcast that have nothing to do with sports. And on today's episode, I want to go ahead and basically share my experience with being a wildland firefighter now for many people that follow the gram slam podcast you know that essentially i am a volunteer wildland firefighter outside of my normal nine-to-five type job um, outside of uh, hosting a podcast for sports Um, that is essentially what i do currently right now I am on a leave of absence from Wildland Firefighting, but I'll get into that more later. Um, But let's go ahead and this Smorecast series will be a more of an unscripted, um, unedited, I guess. I mean, it'll still be some edits, but unscripted, uncensored type show. Um, I'll try to keep the language to a minimum to at least keep the podcast uh, non-explicit. Um, but essentially, on today's episode, I will go ahead and tell you about the story of becoming a wildland firefighter. But let's first go back a couple years where that was not always the goal that I had in life. The original goal in life that I had was to become a um, police officer or sheriff's deputy somewhere in the law enforcement world. And that uh, dream. Came about probably when I was a kid. Uh, my grandparents who raised me, my mother, they all knew law enforcement. They knew fire department. Uh, my uncle was an EMT at one point. I think that I was a lot younger, probably just born when he was an EMT. Um, but I just grew up around that culture and really knew a lot of people within the first responder world. And that's kind of what I got my Itched to be a first responder, but as I grew older, I knew I wanted to be a police officer. So back in 2010, shortly after um, having my first child, my oldest daughter, um, I did some ride-alongs with the local police department in town, the Color Springs Police Department. And the ride-along that I did, um, oddly enough, was with a I was paired with a female uh, police officer who, I think about probably seven or eight months prior to that, pulled me over for um, basically an illegal turn at an intersection. Funny enough, um, so that was it was a pretty cool experience uh, getting to ride along with a police officer. I highly uh, recommend uh, doing it if you haven't. Um, Even if it's not something, your cup of tea or wanting to get into law enforcement, I do think it really shines the light on law enforcement and what exactly they do during a shift. Um, A lot of times you can do a half a shift. I I don't believe they do the full shifts anymore. I know a few times I've been able to do that due to uh, the internships I did with the police department Uh, during my um, criminal justice degree program i was doing at a local college but let's go ahead let's start off in 2010 that is where my dream essentially happened and that ride-along took place i got to go out on a few calls and essentially it wasn't too bad i I still wanted to go in a ride-along with lights and sirens you know the normal code three calls But that didn't happen, and frankly, I don't think it ever happened on any of the calls that I ever went on. Um, I know a few times we sped, we went through intersections pretty quick, but there was never lights and sirens um, when responding to calls. Um, I did not get to fully experience that until um, I became a wildland firefighter um, that quickly has... Changed the aspect of how we do that and respond to calls at the um, fire station or whatnot. Um, But fast forward a couple more years. I didn't really do anything with it between 2010 and probably 2013, 2014. Uh, My first real exposure was going to take a test for the Jefferson Sheriff's uh, Office up in... I think it was Golden, Colorado or somewhere around there. Um, I epically failed the test. Um, There's not really much you can study for these tests. Um, They have books out there, but I've kind of come to learn that those books are not exactly what they're looking for, what they're asking. Um, I just am a terrible test taker, so it did not really help me at much when I essentially wanted to Become a police officer. Um, As time went on, I I got a little bit better at taking these tests and whatnot. Um, But that was my first experience. I failed and actually found out within probably two hours of taking the test and driving home that I did fail that. The next one, I went for a sheriff's deputy up in um, Denver for the Denver Sheriff's Office or Department. I'm not quite sure if they're an elected official like they are here or if they are a department. Um, It's been so long since I actually applied for them. Um, I went through their uh, new hire orientation, uh, their process for hiring, their physical test, backgrounds, I pretty much got up until the factor of talking to their human resources and internal and internal investigations department uh, for my backgrounds, uh, but ultimately did not get hired on there, which I am uh, grateful and thankful for as time went on, because there was such a lot of. Raise in concern with that uh, department or office that they overhauled 90% of it shortly after I went through the hiring process. This led me to kind of step back and see about going the education route because I knew our local police department here required at least 60 college credits in a uh, kind of like degree, like criminal justice or something, business major, things like that. Or an associate's degree. And that's the route I kind of was looking at. But then noticed that the um, college I was going to, Pikes Peak uh, Law Enforcement Academy, was actually offering a law enforcement academy that I believe it was three or four months long. Um, you either did it after it was a night uh, night academy or day academy. I chose the night one. Um, And knew that it was going to put a lot of strain on everything. But, you know, freshly being married in 2014, I started in 2015 and it just did not work. Um, The job that I was working at and still actually at essentially changed their model of how they were doing scheduling. And it was just not working out. There was no leaves of absence I could take my schedule changed and i instantly basically was no longer able to meet their monday through friday schedule for their night class uh to accommodate essentially being there by 4:30 p.m. um for their um like gym type class it was um more of an athletic um pt class essentially that we had take so I had to end up dropping out of that. Um, I took about, I want to say about eight or nine months off. I went to the graduation of that class because I got to know quite a bit of people in that class um, while I was there. I was there probably almost a month and a half, two months. And essentially, basically went to the graduation and kind of got that urge like, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to do this. Um, I tried to work something out with work. It didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. And again, I got accepted into their day class. I was going to take a leave or try to work different hours. It failed instantly. I was probably in the academy maybe two weeks at the most and had to drop out because of the same thing. So At that point, I ended up going the route of finishing my college degree. Now, of course, I hadn't had any credits. The academy was supposed to take care of a lot of that, along with getting the POST certificate, um, which is the uh, Peace Officer Standard Testing, I believe is what it's uh, stated in the state of Colorado. You have to have that in order to be a law enforcement officer in the state of Colorado. So at that point, I ended up... um, Basically, going back to school, Um, I went to get my criminal justice degree, and during that process, I was applying at any agency that was in the surrounding areas that was going to work, continue to get denied, denied, denied. Uh, Fast forward to roughly, I think, 2018 into 2019, that was my final year. Year of applying for law enforcement, um, I had reached the sixty credits in uh, school that were needed for criminal justice. I had not hundred percent graduated yet because I I did take a lot of electives such as crime scene investigation class, um, patrol class. I also did, as I mentioned, a Internship with the Colorado Springs Police Department and did quite a bit there. Um, that was something that I was very, very proud of. Um, I got to work directly with a lieutenant to create um, this magnificent uh, PowerPoint uh, thing that Police Officers Mapping Guide, it was called, um, where when police officers essentially go to a... Um, to a call at a apartment complex the mapping system on google or apple maps or whatever they pull up in their car does just has a picture like the view you see is just like little addresses here and there and they're not always correct um sadly enough they're not as in depth as a fire department would have or an ambulance responding to a call would have oddly enough they are completely different systems i don't know if that's still the case today i do believe it still is uh based on my knowledge of uh, being in wildland firefighting Um, that essentially then at that point with the uh police department i got all the way through their hiring process Um, with that internship i made a lot of contacts um, but it it just did not help. I, I didn't meet the fight. Uh, I didn't meet the criteria they're looking for. I got all the way to the very end of the process where you were supposed to go in front of the chief of police for an interview to finally accept you into the academy. That did not happen. So. That was, I, I was at that point just about to be 32, 33, I believe, and I, there was a lot of tension in the country with law enforcement. Um, we do know that um, a lot of the social justice movements and things like that were going through. Um, a lot of the stuff that I could not see myself personally as a law enforcement officer were kind of moving through. Now, of course, as time's gone on, my view on that has changed. Um, I am, of course, a wildland firefighter through a sheriff's office, Um, but again, my views—my not getting political—but my my views on a lot of the stuff that was happening with law enforcement just does not meet my what I wanted my children to see what my kids go through or things like that. So I made that decision at that point to kind of put a hold on it. I still needed to finish my degree. I was going to do that. I was aimed to do that and maybe use that for something else at another time. So at that point, I went ahead and ended up uh, just kind of laying back for a bit. And in probably September, I believe it was, of 2019, I saw a Facebook post by our local sheriff's office that um, was stating they were hiring for wildland firefighting. And sure enough, that is exactly what I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Let me go ahead and give that a try. So I put in my application um, to be a volunteer It was not a paid job. It was strictly volunteer, which I was perfectly fine with because I, at that time and still to this day, do not want to leave my current job. Um, I've been at my current job for uh, nearly 11 years come this June. So it was not something I wanted to necessarily do. So volunteer route, it worked. The schedule they were portraying for training was in my range of things. I could do it. I could handle it. And I applied, went through the background process, interview uh, with their volunteer coordinator, and essentially got accepted, was told to that I needed to do what is called a pack test. Um, that pack test is basically in wildland firefighting, depending on the agency and what type of pack test you're taking, was a... 45 uh, pound bag or weights or anything that you had to wear essentially uh, that was for a weighted vest or your a fire pack um, with 45 pounds and you had to do uh, three miles in 45 minutes so essentially when we essentially got the got the phone call from the uh, fire leadership to go ahead and go down to the fire station and do the test. I was not physically in shape. I could like I, I worked a nine to five job. Um, so I think still to this day I work uh, 4 tens um, so I'm sitting at a desk all the time. Um, at that very moment I was not really active. So I got about halfway through the test and just quit. I couldn't do it. Um, Fortunately enough, they said that they would reschedule me, give me 60 days, reschedule me for another test. Uh, So I I said, okay. So I made sure to start walking, start getting somewhat in shape. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. Uh, COVID-19 hit with a roaring massive Uh, overtaking uh, two weeks prior to me starting the academy. Um, They essentially were going to waive the pack test at that point. They were going to let me go through the academy and then have to do it before I could do anything uh, fire-related. So I was like, okay, that works for me. Uh, COVID comes around about a week prior to the actual... um, academy starting which would have been on my 33rd birthday I got an email stating that the academy was canceled indefin- indefinitely and was not going to happen there was no word of what essentially they were going to do with this class um, as far as we knew we had to reapply and they would get back to us at a later point to potentially tell us what the next step was to become a firefighter let me tell you after the years and years and years of disappointment going through law enforcement backgrounds and keep in mind some of those backgrounds for law enforcement take up to a calendar year to go through Um, from your first hiring date that you apply to the date that you're going in to talk to the chief is nearly about a year it's grueling there's a lot of interviews with background investigators. It wasn't as bad for wildland fire, but you still had to do them. So it was another just kick in the face, another dead end at the end of the road. Um, and I really didn't know at that point what I was going to do. But, of course, we were in the middle of a pandemic and dealing with that. So that was the where most of the areas were getting shut down and didn't hear anything for a while and as summer hit um we obviously knew that some of the covid standards were starting to go away there was still a mask ordinance here in the state of colorado um there's still social distancing but there wasn't as harsh um cases started to kind of plateau a tiny bit um obviously we're going into year two of the pandemic this year but um back then we just didn't know and it so happened the week prior to 4th of, no, it was the the day after, I believe, 4th of July. Um, I received an email from the uh, training supervisor of the Wildland Fire uh, Division of the Sheriff's Office and letting us know that the Sheriff's Office had come to terms and agreement to do a Basically, a half and half virtual, half virtual, half in person, um, academy. It was gonna be quick, and um, that essentially was gonna happen. Would we be interested in still going through the process? I immediately replied yes, and then found out within three days later that training was starting. Um, that would have never changed my decision of uh the route I went, but it was pretty quick. It was a quick turnaround. Um, We went to an orientation-type training that first Wednesday night and kind of got to know what wildland fire was all about. At that point, um, we had a week to do on our own at home and complete the um, testing for wildland firefighting. That was all basically uh, digital tests or whatnot for the NWCG, uh, which is the National uh accreditation basically for a national wildfire coordinating group uh that does all the actual uh, classroom led trainings to become a certified wildland firefighter in the united states Um, so we had a few courses that we had to essentially go through to get those done and then also we had to do some online courses for fema um, which if anyone's uh Uh, Aware FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Association um, that basically runs the country for emergencies, um, hurricanes, wildland fires, massive events. They essentially do so. We had some courses we had to do in that as well, and I did that. And on the next couple, I would say, want to say about probably the next. Three months worth of classes. Um, We learned the tools that we used. We learned how to essentially um, use the uh, pumps on the truck to get water to put out fire, uh, use the fire hydrants. I mean, everything. The crash course in wildland firefighting is exactly what we went through Um, for about three months. uh, It started july 5th and we graduated i believe on the mid-october of 2020. now the big thing is with that i went through the entire uh, course uh the one thing i did get to do on september 11th of 2020 um, was to go and uh, do here in color springs we have what is called the uh, manitou incline Uh, is a pretty massive incline essentially, and every 9/11, they have firefighters in full turnout gear, um, and wildland firefighters participate as well with their gear to hike the incline, um, which does mimic. Uh, I think it's about a more than a halfway up. Uh, mimics the World Trade Center for the 9/11 uh, terrorist attacks with all the firefighters that were killed. Um, on 9-11. So I got to do that. That was probably a very eye-opening and just humbling experience as being a firefighter, Um, seeing others. Obviously I didn't have it as bad as some of the others had it where they were going up in full uh, structure firefighter gear just like the 9-11 towers or whatnot. Um, So it was a very humbled experience. I really kind of set back everything and I was right prior to graduation, about a month prior to graduation, but um, I still needed to do my pack test that I had failed that previous uh, December. And so that week, I went ahead and made the appointment, was going to do the pack test, and again got halfway done and failed again. Um, I thought I was in shape, especially with doing the incline. Um, I felt great, I was ready to go. I just could not do it with the 45 pounds on and or the pack on so i was given another 90 day or 60 days at that point obviously i was a firefighter at that point i I had been already certified and everything and graduation for it was coming up it was just this point as they told me before i was not going to be able to participate in any calls um go on any patrols or anything like that so That essentially, that's all that happened there. Um, Took me about 60 days exactly. I think it was early November. It may have been even shorter. Yeah, early November um, that I passed my pack test. Um, I did it with the training supervisor and uh, two other fellow uh, firefighters. One that was from my class. And then, of course, one of the paid staff members, and we did a different route on that pack test, and I, I passed it. It was a good to go, but also knew that within four months of that pack test, I still had to do another one to recertify for the actual de, um, department itself when they did the annual pack test. So I knew that was coming, so I was fine with that or whatnot. Um, but I passed, and. The following day was my first Wednesday, which I'm usually off on Wednesdays. It was my first day getting to, I was going to pull a full shift of fire station. I, I was eager, I was so thrilled to do anything I possibly could. Um, it was November, it wasn't even that cold out here in Colorado. And actually ended up getting to take a truck out and work with the bomb squad and SWAT team explosives unit um, um, basically watching the area that they were exploding unused fireworks that they took from people from 4th of July and throughout the year along with other unused ammo things like people that uh, turn in stuff from maybe houses that have people um, that have died they don't want the ammo things like that so they they'll essentially, blow all that stuff up and get rid of it in a safe environment and we were just basically on duty to ensure that no surrounding areas potentially started a fire and then put out any type of um, explosives that they um, blew up and were kind of on fire or whatnot. So that was the main task for that day, that was my first official shift and it went well. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot more on that shift. And as time went on, the calls came in. I did not get to go on a lot of calls due to the fact that I was either working or had the kids that were in school, whatever the case may be. Uh, My first official fire that I went on was on March 20th of 2021, uh, just about a year ago. And we got a call. Um, I was, I, th- I believe, I was working. We got a call that there was a uh, fire, roughly, probably about 30, 35 miles away from the fire station. Again, we are wildland firefighters for a county um, that oversees the entire county, local county, or whatnot. So our our county here is pretty massive. So we get a call. The trucks are already responding to this call in our station. Um, I live on the other side of town, so not only did I have to go drop my kiddos off at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house um, and then head over to the fire station. I get there. Lucky enough, there was a firefighter um, that was taking a backup uh, truck, and we were going. Um, That was my first official time that I went code three to a fire um, it wasn't really, in my opinion, necessary as it didn't get us there quicker than we could have. Um, no one seems to care when you're on a highway uh, going the basically just over the speed limit because our trucks are governed at a certain amount that it can go up to, which isn't that much over the speed limit on the highway. And most people, you can't hear when you're going like 75 miles an hour on the highway. Most people can't hear you. Um, that is a big thing, though. Any drivers out there, if you're driving on a highway at 75 to 80 miles or whatever the speed limit is on a highway, um, just know, keep, uh, keep aware of your surroundings behind you, um, on the side of you, things like that, because, uh, law enforcement, emergency vehicles can, um, go past you, lights and sirens, and you'll never hear them until they're actually either behind you or going past you just because of the difference in speed. So we're going down in about probably about 90% of the way down to the call. We we are informed that the fire is out. There's no active flames. So at that point, we were um, told to uh, not go code three at that point, and that's exactly what we stopped doing um we stopped going code three and then just responded to the call like a normal um, call we got to the uh, fire which at that point it was in what was called mop-up stage and mop-up stage is basically once the fire is completely out um, you obviously have to make sure that there is no hot spots in the actual fire um so you what i get to i get to the scene um, with the other, um, at that point he was kind of like the leader, leadership of the volunteer, uh, fire role or whatnot. We get to the scene, um, gear up, put our gear on, and I can clearly see this middle of nowhere field is burnt. Um, it was in an area where they did a lot of, uh, shooting here in Colorado. Um, a lot of open area and not too far from a military base. Um, But essentially, it sounded like some ammo or something caused this fire. I'm not quite sure what the actual cause. I can't remember what the actual cause of the fire was. But I think it was ammo or someone shooting ammo. And it was a hot day. It was dry. And it caught on fire. Um, I think it ended up being about a 1.5-acre fire, if not a little more. And... Essentially, at that point, uh, we got a gear on, got our tools, and we went out and basically dug through the ash and this burnt soil, essentially, that um, just smelled. This, again, this is my first time being on a live active fire. We had not got to do any kind of live exercises prior to that. Um, because of the fact that Colorado has been under was under a drought for so long that you couldn't burn anything so this is the first time being in a active scenario of a fire there was some hot spots that were still flaming under everything with some like uh, bushes and some roots underground that were on fire still so there's a little bit of flame but nothing that you haven't seen on a daily basis on like a campfire or something like that uh so at that point went through mopped up uh took probably about a couple hours or whatnot to go through and just black stuff in your face in your lungs in your smoke and stuff in your lungs and um your nose your blowout Basically, as disgusting as it sounds, you blow out this like black ash for a good couple days after it, and you're just disgusting. It was hot as can be out. Um, I think it was, even with the sun going down, it was still about 80, 85 degrees. Plus, you had the ground that was smoldering hot, um, so that didn't help either. And overall, that was my first experience on a fire. Again, I... Had not been on any type of actual live flame fire. Um, this is more of a mop-up situation. And we got the job done. Um, we made sure it was out. I, uh, My department teamed up with other local agencies and surrounding fire departments to work on uh, getting this mopped up using a brush truck and other um water tactics to uh, fully make sure that the ground was not going to spread um, ash or um, any type of like hot material that would spread to a unburned area, um, which is called the uh, green zone. The black zone is what has already been burnt. And you don't want embers or anything like that to carry over if, like, say, the wind picked up or whatever the case may be. Um, So you you really get down there with the water, spraying it, and get it essentially completely put out. And that essentially was my first night. After that call, though, we were leaving the scene and uh, over-dispatch came that there was a... um, basically a hit-and-run uh, traffic accident, literally a block away from where we were. Um, so the acting supervisor, who was a EMT as well, decided that, along with our chief, decided to go ahead and go on this call. Um, so we, we took off going lights and sirens. At that point, I was driving, um, and we were heading down to the scene of this accident. This was a little kind of out of the realm of things that wildland firefighters do but we essentially were going to essentially help with traffic that was pretty much all of that we were doing so we took our truck we got to the scene um there's a car that had ran off the road um i think come to find out it was just someone that was drunk drove off the side of the road and then walked home and there was no injuries or anything like that but i but we provided uh traffic support with blocking the road off making sure that other Uh, First responders that were coming to the scene were able to get through and directing traffic. So no one got hit or any first responders um, on the scene didn't get hit because it was a very pitch black area of the middle of like nowhere of this town that we're in. And then that was my first official fire that I went on. And monthly or every week we would have training on Wednesday nights and do all types of different scenarios, uh, drafting water from a uh, water source. Um, there is a lake, not lake, but a uh, kind of river, very small river that runs behind our station. So we got to do some practice there. We've gone to different lakes, um, different resorts. We've done driving training. There's so much that we got to do. I've I've got to drive a fire tr- uh, brush truck. I've got to do pretty much everything. Um, essentially that we were doing. We were doing a lot of, during COVID, we were doing a lot of uh, drive parades where um, birthday parades, um, retirement parades, things like that. And uh, for everybody and anyone you could imagine, um, essentially. And those were fun. Those were giving back to the community. That was the whole reason I became was trying to get into law enforcement or becoming a Uh, firefighter was to do more for the community and to give back to the community and that's exactly what I did. Um, That's what I've done and I strictly 100% appreciate everything that I've got to do as a wildland firefighter. Has definitely exceeded what I planned on doing. Um, I I do feel as time went on we kind of into as much community events, and that can be because of COVID, leadership, a lot of movement throughout our um, department, things like that. So, hopefully, as time goes on, um, once I get back into the full swing of being a firefighter, um, that I can push more of that type of stuff because a lot of people just don't know wildland firefighters exist, other than in like California. Um, Colorado is becoming a little more known. For wildland firefighting um, definitely because of uh, the massive amount of fires we've had in Colorado the one we just had in Boulder uh, not too long ago that uh, demolished um, a lot of homes a lot of land things like that Um, Colorado is just becoming a very drier state um, with climate uh, changing and just the overall weather perspective changing so we're mimicking a lot of what California is seeing in temperatures, in dry fuels. Moisture levels are just not what they used to be. So, hopefully, as time goes on, that may resort back. We don't know. Uh, but we definitely know that there is no longer a thing, such thing called fire season in uh, Colorado. That used to be a term that you'd have fire season usually probably about end of April early May through October and now it's pretty much year round so that has been a big thing that has essentially been a downfall uh to the overall perspective of of just how dry that it essentially has got over time um but that that is a direct as bad as it is. Most of us firefighters want fire. We want to be busy, but not in that type of way. Obviously, we don't want lives or structures or anything like that burnt. Um, but you know, it is. It's a trade off of being a wildland firefighter and um, doing everything essentially to protect homes, to protect other environments that are within our distance of what we do. Um, So as time went on, again, I I swear I have this curse to me that there just is nothing happening when I am available. Um, I did a lot of shifts at the fire station. I'd go for days on. uh, For a couple days, I'd go uh, during my off time on weekends to patrol. Um, It would be really hot out, so we'd go patrol our county to ensure that no fires happened. We'd rarely ever get a call if we did was not fire related um we went on one medical call we had to uh, bring in flight for life that was a very interesting uh call but when you look at the overall terms of wildland firefighting there was not there has not been much that i have accomplished accomplished in the realm of direct fire suppression um that is something that i am hoping to get more experience with and more time with Um, I'm going on two years as a firefighter this July. And essentially this past summer, um, we have what is called um, assignments. So they can assign you to anywhere in the the country or whatnot to fight fires. Usually it's the West Coast or mountain region. Um, And I essentially went on an assignment in Wyoming, which most of you know, from the Grand Slam podcast as I was on a hiatus for a while and then, of course, did not attend any of the Vibes games that were in town during that time. Uh, but overall, you know, I went up there. I uh, unfortunately got injured on a call going to a fire uh, that we were hiking to, uh, which was very disappointing, especially with the fact that that was pretty much almost our only call that we actually there was an actual fire, and um, that was, I believe, started by lightning, hurt my ankle, ended up being at a hotel for the rest of our assignment. Lucky enough, it was just a couple of days. Um, but, you know, it, it's there's a lot of things with wildland firefighting um, that I highly recommend if you're ever interested in getting into, of doing, and there's a lot of things that I frankly would never recommend anyone getting into it. So it's kind of a hit or miss. I enjoyed for the most part the um, the actual assignment I went on. I wish there was a lot more fire calls that we responded to that actually had fires. But the overall perspective of going to Wyoming and getting the patrol day after day, it, it did get tiring, it did get boring. But um, there's a lot to see, there's a lot to learn and stuff like that. So I took away the overall perspective more positive perspective from it than a negative approach essentially um but then you know once i got back it got cleared for duty again um i just have not unfortunately been on any fires that actually are active i've responded to them i've got to the station and just <laughs> My luck has not worked out very well with that. So um, due to a lot of personal things that are going on in uh, my life that have been going on over the last couple of years, um, even prior to firefighting, are accumulating my time, um, my energy outside of work, and um, things like that. I I may eventually talk about that on this podcast um, at one point. Um, but for now, I'm gonna leave it where it is um, and kind of stick to wildland firefighting uh, section of this pod, uh, this show or whatnot. But but yeah, it when it, it when it got to it, I had to take a leave of absence. I was not available during the time for training. Training's changed uh, the time schedule, so uh, there's a um, more of a weekend training content and a one random Wednesday night compared to our weekly trainings on Wednesday that I was really well in the habit of going to it was my couple hours on Wednesday night to get away to essentially be able to learn and um, craft wildland firefighting Um, so again a lot of things change Uh, schedules change preferences change and that's essentially what happened here where schedule change it has not worked out for me but I'm hoping once all this situation outside of fire and work go away that I can focus back directly on passing the uh, 2022 pack test and getting back on essentially um, on duty, active duty for any type of fire we may see. Um, I did go to prior to going to Wyoming. I did go to one other uh wildland fire may have been actually after cannot remember if it was before or after um, another situation where by the time our truck got to the scene flames were out we did mop up and another that one was probably the most brutal because it was it was hot as can be it was a lot hotter than the other one it was the middle of the day the sun was beating down plus you had very very high temperatures on the ground because i mean seconds before we kind of went in to this little area that were it was uh, had a structure that basically was threatened um right where it stopped or the the um, other team stopped it or whatnot or crews stopped it um it was super hot there was a lot of still active fire under the brush and um ash and stuff so got that out got a little more um technique there had another call shortly after that where we ended up uh, potentially hiking for about an hour and a half two hours got almost maybe halfway we never fully figured out how far away we were from the fire where it started uh, raining and lightning so it became unsafe we had to uh disregard and go back um there were was a team actually fighting it along with a helicopter that got the fire out but we did not get to go up it with my crew due to the fact that one there was just not enough time and two the lightning was uh making a very safe environment for us to go up to but those were my two three technically main calls that I went on along with some of the stuff we did in Wyoming, Um, but nothing really exciting. I wish I had more crazy stories to tell. Um, I know with the Boulder fire, I was kind of sitting back watching it. Um, Our department did not get uh, what is called surged up to that fire with all the surrounding other departments. Um, I was practically begging to go to that fire because there was just so much going on that really kind of felt helpless um sitting here watching it happen and not being able to do lucky enough a very powerful snowstorm came through um that helped put it out but granted there's a lot of um houses um demolished and of, of course uh, a couple lives is lost as well uh but yeah, that's that's essentially my overall story of like trying to become law enforcement, getting into wildland firefighting, and essentially there's probably going to be a lot more stories as time goes on that I have for wildland firefighting that I will discuss. Hopefully, more calls once I um, get back to off of leave of absence or whatnot. But I have. Again, I've enjoyed my time as a firefighter. I enjoy the culture and the people around me. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people that I really connected to and have connected to um, that may have moved on from now. Um, a lot of people have left fire to pursue other careers or other departments that they've um, got hired at or whatnot. So it is going to be interesting to see. Uh, once I get back from leave of, of absence, uh, what the training schedule is like, what we're doing as a, a department, but first and foremost, again, I am still a wildland firefighter and really just am proud to get to do something um, that I wanted to be as a kid growing up. Um, it may have not been wildland firefighter but it was definitely a firefighter in general and if i think if i would have knew more about wildland firefighting growing up um, that i potentially would have kind of looked at that career more than structure Um, i did try structure at one point and epically failed the um, test that they had to do for it Uh, that was probably the most insane test i've ever done almost passed out during it lucky enough i guess if i would have There's plenty of medical there, (laughs) firefighters. But overall, um, I I appreciate everyone that is a wildland firefighter out there that has done what they do. A lot of mental health issues throughout um, firefighting or any first responder jobs. But seriously, kudos to all those men and women out there that do it. I appreciate everyone I have worked with so far and the opportunities that may come up as time goes on with wildland firefighting. But this uh, essentially has just been kind of a little wrap up about a close to an hour episode of the s'more cast um, giving you some more. Of my time, my life, and giving you more of a personal side outside of the whole sports and everything. So I hope everyone enjoyed this. Um, These episodes, at least for the time being, will not have any intro, music, or outro. I'm just going to upload them and hope you enjoyed my story. Um, Again, if you like, subscribe to the Gram Slam podcast. These will automatically upload I'm not going to do a separate channel for these for the time being. Maybe next year after 12 episodes of it. Um, But I will see all back here at the end of February, um, which will be the 28th. So exactly four weeks from today will be the second episode. And as of right now, um, I do not have anything planned for it, but we will see essentially what that is um but thank you again to everyone out there who has listened to my story i'm sure i'll have more as time goes on like i said but again thank you for tuning in have a great uh rest of your week and i will see you back on saturday for the gram slam podcast xfl uh 2001 edition thank you everyone Bye bye